This is just a check-in, something one can do frequently and remains a kind of a foundation for meditation or the meditative approach, the embodied domain, embodied basis. And there's all kinds of subtleties and uh, things, uh, teachings or skills we can develop from that in dealing fundamentally with what becomes apparent from that place, the dissonances, the um, how to hold and how to clear what arises from that experience, you know, how to get learn insight, how to learn compassion from what arises within that domain. This is a domain of direct experience, embodied. And of course we have... Um, other experiences because we are humans um, but just recognize that uh, fundamentally we are inheriting a natural form that's taken millions of years to evolve from you know protozoic slime <laughs> we have climbed it's climbed <laughs> into something else, into this mammalian form. This is this. This is so fundamental. This is what is here a mammalian physical form of sentiency. <laughs> you could say that fundamentally, you know, we we have animal bodies, but I think it's even more direct than that. We are animals. We are animals. There's no such thing as. You know, humans and animals are separate. On one level, we are another form of physical embodied life that feeds on things, gives birth to things, and dies. You know? and that, that's the basic model, right? So, <laughs> and the rest of it is just sort of details that you <laughs> you add. And sometimes that, that fundamental bit kind of gets lost, even. You know, <laughs> we breathe in and out. That gets lost. Um, you just gobble some food, or food is a social occasion, or uh, and so on. So this this is the fundamental piece. And why is that important? Why do we recognise that? Because largely um, we have we've given extreme amount of attention to a very specific percentage of the human experience which is our ability to form abstract, um, abstract essentially, through thoughts, symbols, and so forth, have an abstracting intelligence. This has given us tremendous power, um, so that our abstracting intelligence, we can think about something, we can represent things. Yeah. We can have an idea like Apple, tomorrow, Judith, Pension, Syria, you know, whatever. You know, you can have these abstractions which, as they enter us, can touch and generate all kinds of impressions and sensitivities and actions. This is a very powerful possibility. We can carry this around. We can communicate to each other. So we can organise uh, for good and also for bad. 
we can conceive of the next year and we can plan what to do about it. Amazing. We can think of, you know, people in a certain area of land, we call it British Isles, and we can say we are this, and that has a powerful impression on our lives. So this abstracting intelligence is enormously powerful. It's rather like, uh, you know, a genie in a bottle that comes out. But then you've got to be careful it doesn't actually start to take over. <laughs> because essentially this is, you know, what happens. Um, and it even takes over with abstractions called ideals. Compassion, truthfulness, democracy, freedom, justice, love, God, powerful Ideals. In other words, these also are abstractions, they're translations, we could say, of something that probably has a, a, a real reality to us. We feel inspired, we feel blessed, we feel loved, we feel warm, we feel welcomed. Uh, also, we can feel threatened, damned, condemned, uh, righteous, <laughs> uh, discriminating. You know, we're the good guys, those are the bad, <clears throat> we're the right, they're the wrong. Um, so this ability to, to translate experience into abstractions that affect us is a very potent but also problematic, has problems in it. Because just as we can generate something that we call the good, we can also generate something we call the evil. Yeah. Yeah. And that we act upon those things. We act upon abstractions. <clears throat> and as you kind of recognize in so many of the sources of conflict that occurs between two people or three people or nations, what is lost is this two fellow human being uh, eats, sleeps, wants to be happy, needs nourishment, does not want pain, you know, <coughs> as the, we, this embodied quality is lost. So we set up divisions get created yeah? and then conflicts get created so this now the theme of today uh, <coughs> yeah, of course this abstracting intelligence we can uh, name things like truthfulness as an idea and it may refer to something real the sense of compassion and concern and um, you know to not abuse or not deceive or not distort things that quality is significant yeah. so there is a there is a kind of a more real quality but then if we just adopt the ideal first before we get to the real then we're often dealing with something that is just very suspect mm. So this need to, where, how do we know something is real or not? Rather than just ideal, how do we know it's real? And one important reference to that, believe it or not, is in this embodied state. You know the experience of fear, of resistance, of aggression, of tension. You know the experience of softening, relaxing, strengthening, clarifying. You can know those directly in your body. 
when you base your attitudes and impressions on those you've got some something real to to uh, to test things against as you know you can recognize uh, check check it out you know, having a quarrel I'm not quarreling with you I'm just telling you straight how it is no I'm not being defensive I'm just making a very clear point I'm not hostile I'm just making a very clear point <laughs> you know, and you can believe it until you feel this knotting in your guts <laughs> or the tightening in your face you think well this is a sign of aggression isn't it Would it be possible to have clarity which is not aggressive, which is saying, um, to me, at this time, this is what feels about right. And just stay with that. Or this feels comfortable, this feels settled, this feels appropriate now. I feel settled in this. There's no pressure in this. So this is the the facility of the embodied basis on just the very humble domestic level you might say you get to check these mental impulses and activations against embodied reality and you begin to sense if that quality is aggression that quality is what fear does and I cave in and say well uh at least you know what's going on and you say is it possible then to come back to straight upright, balanced, centred not losing ground not losing space and act from there this is just an ongoing tip generally people you need to pause in that flurry of activations check, pause, check what's happening in the body should recognise we've done it so many times the sense of push, of aggression Where's that going to go? It's going to create enemies, isn't it? You may get your own way, but you're going to create someone who experiences you as hostile, bullying, domineering. Is that what you want? So, now today's session rewilding, rewilding the mind, and uh, rewilding maybe a term that's familiar for some of you some of you may think what's this back what's it mean you know somebody thought it to me it meant rewelding soldering the plates of the mind together this kind of iron box that we carry around I hope not (laughs) but these are attempts that uh, human beings make uh, from some deeply felt exp- uh, sense of is it possible to now we have really able to dominate the natural world to a large degree not completely of course still plenty of hurricanes and floods and cyclones um, partly because of the amount of manipulation we've done to the planet <laughs> It's fighting back, you know. I'd say. So, is it possible to actually take some land that was built upon, or drained, or had 
you know, railway lines on it or um, you know, uh, toxic chemicals in it clean it up and just turn it back to nature say you know here you you do what you want with this grass can grow trees can grow and there are several requirements of that first of all is to a first we have to have the sense of this is worth doing because one level human beings don't seem to immediately get a benefit out of it so it's very much like uh, some instinct to do this <coughs> because nature is innately valuable because this is where we come from we're essentially however much our abstracting intelligence imagines it and can even do it to a certain degree we actually are arising from this planetary source these <clears throat> bodies cannot survive off this planet they take everything from this planet the food that we think we get out of supermarkets in fact comes from the earth the water that we turn get out of our taps in fact comes from the sky and the rivers and the lakes as you all know the air that we breathe is given all of it's totally given nature doesn't ask for a penny or a cent or even a word of praise it's all a donation the sun the warmth everything and out of this miracle of that which is given there's this potential for this particular physicality to arise and now that physicality a system arises that says oh I did all this <laughs> I'm on top of all this <laughs> and there's some feeling that no wait a minute we've got to get back to that and start to do something to our, back to our mother you might like say our mother earth give something back to it I'm so rewilding first of all acknowledge that is, is like a connection to fundamental truth uh, of the body and, um, and our life and then certain things are necessary first of all to take away the, the pollutions the toxins the old broken bottles and bits of tangled up metal and concrete take it up get rid of it remove it second thing stop them growing stop it coming back in again fence it off don't let that stuff get back in third thing let nature take its course don't interfere with how you think it should be another thing you might very well need to introduce a few species you might have to do a little bit of tampering just to kind of top up the mix but recognize whatever you introduce has to be something that, that the natural environment can support and it can be um, look after itself so we're trying to get something that doesn't need human interference this is the rewilding project and it arises probably from various intuitions about um, what's necessary for the planet to keep its some sense of being able to produce fresh air and uh, mm -hmm. clean water and reasonable climate but I think also from another sense in which human beings realise or some human beings realise there's uh, something that we need to be in touch with for our own sanity
Now, just as many of you did, I arrived here through, on a rail a train. I took a bus, a bus rode upon concrete or uh, uh, tarmac streets through buildings, um, electricity, petrol, all this stuff was there. And thank you, it got me here. Wonderful. On the way, I had to make a brief phone call through a little thing in my hand. I was able to contact somebody several miles away and tell them, amazing, isn't it? The mobile things. Um, Then I got to click up letters and emails, communication of other human beings, some of them thousands of miles away. How amazing. Got into somebody's house, we switched the lights on. Lights, let there be light. Who needs God anymore? (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful stuff. Food was dragged out of fridges and refrigerators and put on stoves and cooked and all this lovely stuff happened. Shelter from the rain, roof, bed, made out of artificial materials. Just the incredible amount of stuff that the human being had created that made it possible to, to do all this. I think, how oh, wonderful. Surely with this, all this, we must be blissed out. <laughs> and, oh, we're not. <laughs> What's missing? Could there be some other thing that we could add to this to make it just that little bit what about a new one? A new, faster gadget, gizmo, mode of transport, something or the other. I could have it kind of plugged on the side of my head so as I walked around, I could be watching Netflix as I walked down. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that would do it. I've got a feeling, no. Probably wouldn't. Might be pleasant, might be, but... Uh, there's something missing here. <laughs> and it's not going to come through that. Yeah. And then you, fortunately, this city you drive along and you see Hampstead Heath. And, oh, yeah. Thank goodness there's Hampstead Heath. Yeah, yeah you know, Bankside is nice. Yeah. Waterloo Station is necessary, not nice. <laughs> necessary. But Hampstead Heath, oh yeah, thank goodness, this is what's missing. Without this, life would be pretty intense and difficult. Just space, greenness, freshness, life happening by itself, touching into this. Breathing in deeply, clean air breathing out, moving the body around, not with frightened of cars knocking you over, switching the phone off, not having a bleep coming in at you every five minutes, walking around unencumbered, ah yeah, this is what's missing. Going back to that. So then the big question mark, arises, doesn't it? (coughs) Two realities there. How do they meet? Physically, 
yeah, nice to walk on Hampstead Heath. Sleeping out on Hampstead Heath in December, no. <laughs> Foraging, eating grass and leaves, no. Drinking Hampstead Heath pond water, no. <laughs> So how do these things going to meet and match? Yeah. Big question for human beings. I don't think we're going to solve that today. But we do recognize that uh, whatever the appurtenances, without that basic nature, we're extremely um, sort of big something is missing. Perhaps an absolutely indispensable something is missing. The rest of it just means that which we need in order to deal with the fragility of our forms. And uh, you know, can it not impair this wonderful gift that's offered to us? This is the big question of this century, I suggest, as we all know. Climate change, earth eradication, pollution, overpopulation, so forth. Now, the other factor that we might begin to touch into in this session, rewilding the mind. Because just as we have those physical systems operating around us with their effects, we also have psychological or mental systems that really are of a like nature. We have an internal railway. <coughs> it uh, lands at a certain place and it projects where I'm going to. And it wants to get there as quick as possible. It says I'm going to this place or this time. And it wants to get there as quick as possible. Straight line. So all the time in between that and where I am is in the way of where I want to be. Yeah. So I've got a place, a destination. I'm here now when I get to result. The stuff in the middle is just the rather dreary terrain that's going to getting in the way of my achievement. We have something that teleologizes our experience. We have a tele mentality. Tele, telephone, television, is a telescope, something which projects forward. Projects forward, and in our mind, we're projecting forward into an imagined future an imagined destination where we will arrive at the place that we want to be but naturally when we get there we're still off that tele-reality says yeah and now I do this to get to the next place when I'm there I do this to make something else happen I sit down have a cup of coffee and when I'm doing that I'm thinking about well it'd be nice in half an hour's time to go to there when I'm there, oh yeah, I must go and see so-and-so. And when I'm there, I better phone her. And then, oh, it's time to do this. We're telling our life and the future. And we operate on that. And those, all those tele-realities have certain qualities of desire, anxiety, uh, sometimes just restlessness. Not stimulated enough here. Getting bored. Getting bored with this. Move on. So it's doing that all the time. 
one big structure that we bring in is the structure of time result and the momentum with which one could get from where one is to the fantasized or imagined result called performance in a word we aim to maximize our performance maximize our achievement maximize our fruitions into something else quickly promptly get to the desired state the desired place desired approval levels um, you know, from other humans we do that this is uh, an inbred structure and it it's a it's a wiring that occurs in what would you say is it something it doesn't occur in so much so that we assume this actually is what life is about getting to the higher the next the further the more beautiful the more interesting the more accomplished the wiser the da, da, da. isn't that what it's about And then we come, it's a, another reality. And we come into this embodied sense, and where's the result? Where's the movement forward? We experience movement forward as something that actually has a effect on our bodies, an effect that takes energy and effort and stress. And that effect can be measured can be marred by worry, by self-criticism. I'm not good enough, I'm not adequate enough, life is failing me, she doesn't fit me, I don't like criticism, something wrong with me. Worry, restlessness, doubt, criticism. Hurry up to get to the desired state of being. Painful take out that wire that that blueprint that notion that railway what do you have oh edgy uncertain sense coming back into the embodied sense there's nothing here you can say is better desirable undesirable (laughs) it's just this suddenly a whole range of televised teleprogrammed emotions and attitudes doesn't have anything to work upon result of that do we feel useless or do we just feel peaceful can it be that we come into a sense of just basic stability and peacefulness and things do happen but they're no longer driven from the tele attitude the nature unfolding is it possible to tell a tree come on grow up come on this year more come on sycamore you've got to look like a fir tree I don't like those leaves (laughs) and if you don't do that the tree will just die I don't think so 
I think if you stop doing that, the tree will keep growing quite naturally by itself and unfold. And you think, this is a terrible fir tree, but it's a wonderful sycamore. (laughs) (laughs) I can try. Thank you so much. So certain um, stereotypes of human beings also are part of that um, abstracted reality. Stereotypes, yeah. So just as uh, trying to make a sycamore into a fir tree isn't going to work, but sycamores are look beautiful in their own nature. Perhaps without those stereotypes, we'd all look beautiful. All look fine. And when that stops, what occurs instead is a a flowering of something called love. By itself. You don't have to love me. That isn't what's asked for. It's just that seeing, experiencing, revealing the human in suchness there's a sense of being touched being warmed being befriended you could say feeling empathy with others and that develops by itself because rather like any other form in nature you put a seed in the ground you don't have to tell it to do anything its nature is to grow and one of the other features that's happened over these billions of years of development from this primeval slime <laughs> into the mammalian mammals definitely sympathise with each other. Yeah. Elephants weep. Animals suckle their young. Animals form packs and groups. Human development the really wonderful human development from that was an even more refined quality of empathy. That we can empathise with beings on the other side of the planet. We can think, oh my goodness, there was an earthquake in Pakistan. Turkey, China, somewhere oh dear I want to help them now elephants can't do that so human can have an extremely extended quality of empathy in fact really they can't stop it if if they're natural there's a natural growth and a natural inclination to widen that to fulfill that that is our growth it's not a performance it's what happens when the other programs are unplugged and from there when you have that quality of empathy you have a quality, another quality another very powerful human quality which is highly developed 
as a potential is our ethical sense animals have some ethical sense their family their leader their animals tend to bond to their their, their owners or we call we call ourselves owners animals call us their attendants you know? <laughs> like your cat you don't own a cat you become its attendant <laughs> and the cat will let you know how it <laughs> expects to be treated <laughs> so certainly there's a even transspecies bonding that can occur so within that there can be certain um, behaviours that occur around loyalty around attack aggression saying you can come into my territory dogs very conscious you can come into my territory you can't right Human beings, much more highly developed ethical sense, conscience and concern, which means we can feel regret and and wavering over something we said to another person five years ago. And we should do. We can have that sense of, may my actions and my speech not cause difficulties for another person. And we should. That's not being screwed up with that then indeed we could be responsible leaders of this planet (laughs) that is the human possibility it's not we've got to go back to being primeval slime there is a trajectory here but the trajectory is into the empathic sense the moral sense and the wisdom sense which means we can use this abstracting intelligence not to create more stuff than we need, but to clearly survey what we're doing. Where did that thought come from? Where did that thought go? Where does that mood take you? How does that feel in your body? Now that you could say is a certain degree of abstraction. For a moment you lift off the mood, but it's not abstraction in the sense you go somewhere else. You don't say, oh, well, forget that. I'm off somewhere else. You say, no, I'm lifting off that in terms of action so that I can more fully survey. Where was that? What was that? That was based on an assumption about who I am or who she is or what I should be or what she... Ah, that's where that suffering came from. Yeah. So we can... So there's... This, even this possibility of your abstraction itself is not a problem provided that one keeps in touch with nature and the fundamental quality of nature is you have to include everything now everything for a primeval slime is pretty simple Everything for human beings, it's it's a big big thing, because it means we have such sensitivities to experience. We can expand our consciousness. It does expand over a very large domain, a very subtle domain, an intricate domain, and you have to be responsible for that. We have to learn that responsibility. We have this enormous power. 
that enormous power, you cannot deny it. You can't push it back in the bottle. It's out. Is it possible to step back from that and say how much is useful, what's necessary, where does this go? Can we moderate this? Yeah? This is the big question of the age. Internally, you begin to look at your own systems and structures that are running. You lift from those. You have the possibility of a human being to do that. That's your human job, on the significantly human job, on top of the mammalian job, which is empathy. You have the human job, ethics and wisdom. This is human nature. And human nature essentially does not deny the rest of nature. It includes it all. The nature of nature is to include. It includes everything, doesn't it? Everything kind of fits and merges. So the things that cut us off from that holistic sense are destructive. We lose the totality and we get into obsessive. You take that trajectory down and you can get to be so abstracted and obsessive that you can sit, a human being can sit in the room in their heads and push buttons that shoot missiles over to other human beings and blow them up and say, well, casualties were expected. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's it. When the world becomes just objects and then human beings become objects and figures and statistics, And eventually you become an object that you approve of, disapprove of, worry about, fret about. You become an object. That's that movement taken to an extreme. It doesn't arrive anywhere complete, fulfilling, peaceful, enjoyable, harmonious, balanced or sane. It takes you to, you know, the, the... levels, manageable levels of insanity (laughs) that this planet is infested with. Fundamentalism, dogmatism, alienation, destruction. Rewilding, acknowledging nature, acknowledging physical nature, acknowledging direct embodied nature, acknowledging nature of mind, Acknowledging human potential. Beginning to acknowledge what has caused poisons to occur within us. What has caused barren areas to occur within us. What has caused places of desolation to occur within us. What has caused places of of overwhelm to occur within us. What has caused places of Resentment, hostility to occur within us. These are toxic. They feel painful. They do us harm. They do others harm. And essentially, you can always come down to 
the, mo- the pocket description of what carries that can be summarized as I am. <laughs> that in a nutshell is a, is a toxic package. I am always has to ask for something. I am a, I am a, I am a, a what? And then this is where the whole thing starts. I am a this, therefore I'm not that. I am a this, I'm different from you. I am this, I need this. I am this, I deserve this. I am this, I'm not good enough as this. Where in your direct experience of body is the sense of I am? There's experience we might call I, which is subjective, but am <laughs> looks for something permanent, lasting, to be an object, and it doesn't find it. I experience, I in experience, and the subjective experiencing of these domains mood and feeling intelligence pressure difficulty so forth and I am none of them when the experience of I am something comes in you need to remind yourself how does that feel what is the thing that you are now what is the relationship that's holding that disappointment anxiety pride defence fear whatever acknowledge that relax that and that which I am is allowed to move and change then in fact like all aspects of nature that which has been there can be embraced there's the violent there's the confused there's the naughty or whatever it is the playful this too passes moves through moves through moves through and things begin to settle by themselves generally what will occur is the most sustaining, comfortable, assured potentials start to form more clearly by themselves. Mm. Because all those phenomena require some kind of energy to keep them going and the system itself begins to know why bother to keep things going that really don't are not useful. Keep it begins to sustain what's harmonious. This is the law of nature. What fits in it begins to encourage those and that which doesn't fit in begin to die out. So what you know it begins to acknowledge this anxiety program takes effort, takes energy. Yeah, don't need to keep that going. 
this sense of expectation takes energy not necessary because here I feel more steady and comfortable so this is just what happens by human nature truly human nature pure human nature begins to itself do the pruning the weeding and the selecting of what programs what mental structures what forms mental forms are conducive and what ones we just let wither away so this rewilding then touches into a potential naturalness that is both has a sensitivity and awareness of the planetary resource of the embodied resource has a prudent awareness of the capacity of the abstracting mind and its intelligence also recognizes that the bigger you get the more you develop you have to keep the ethical sense even more developed to handle it <laughs> if the genie is out the bottle you've got to develop something else to actually cope with that you can't push it back in again it also recognizes the, the potential for human nature to regenerate itself in a way that is harmonious and is beautiful we are all beautiful in our naturalness we're all distorted mannequins in our contrivances <laughs> yeah. and it begins to sense that and even though the natural can at first seem pretty wild and weird and, and crazy if you stay with the fundamental themes of compassion, empathy, groundedness, spaciousness nature takes care of itself it starts to the old stuff withers away and dies the new stuff starts to get greener and stronger and grow that's a natural process this is what I'd like to encourage you to participate in as long as life lasts actually but at least for the next hour or so because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how long it will last, life will last anyway. <laughs>